You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown, Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Happy Thanksgiving, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. I am Scott Goldbranson, your host, And we're going to get into the show, but first, I just want to wish all of you uh, and your loved ones, your family, your friends, uh, the most blessed and happy Thanksgiving that you can have. I'm sure it'll be full of food and football, family and friends, and please enjoy it. And we certainly are thankful for you in our lives and uh, for your support of Silver and Black today. And that comes from myself and also my co-host, Mo Moten, who, by the way, uh, we we still got to lift him up uh, in our thoughts and prayers because uh, he was getting better and then got hit with something else. So he lost his voice. Yes, it was something to do with fighting with fans over Derek Carr's future with the Raiders. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but he lost his voice. He was going to be on today. He was all excited to get back because it's been several weeks, but uh, he needs some more time. So we're giving him the weekend to shut it down so that he can get back with us next week. Uh, but we have a great great uh, friend of ours sitting in for him today and co-hosting with me here on Silver and Black today. And that, of course, is my good friend Mario Tovar of the RaiderRamble.com. If you don't already read the Raider Ramble, make sure you do. Him and the staff over there do a great job. He is the founder and runs the site. Also, you can catch his work on Just Blog Baby, a bunch of other spots. Mario uh, does great, great stuff, and we welcome him now. By the way, his follow him on Twitter. 
We have on the screen, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, I made a mistake. I'm already in holiday brain. Uh, it's underscore at underscore Mario Tovar, T-O-V-A-R. Uh, on the screen, it doesn't have the underscore, but that's what it is. So I just want to make sure uh, that we get it. Mario, man, thanks for sitting in for Mo. We certainly appreciate it and look forward to talking to you today. Oh, you know Back what? On. It would be help if I turned up his audio. There you go, Mario. Now you're there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're already in holiday mode. I can oh, tell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, hey, look, I'm no Mo Modem, but he's a great <laughs> friend, a good colleague, but I'll, I'll try my best. Oh, you'll do great. I know we're going to have uh, lots to talk about here as we head into a great day today. Of course, Thanksgiving. I don't know about you guys, but it's my favorite holiday, Mario, not just because of what it surrounds. I mean, yes, Christmas is about family too, but uh, Thanksgiving to me has always been special. It's my birthday weekend, my birthday tomorrow. You get to be my age. You don't like to talk about the years, but nonetheless, it's my birthday. And so I'm always happy around this time of the year because uh, family's home, college kids come home, the whole deal. Um, but also it's a football fiesta, right? We get to watch football all day long. The NFL expanded, of course, a few years ago and uh, all of that. But I have to ask you, what, do you guys have any special uh, traditions. You know, I'm married into a Latino family, so my wife is Cuban, and so we integrate some of that into some of the food and the traditions into our American Thanksgiving. But tell us about you. What do you guys do? You guys do anything special that you uh, that really means a lot to you? Well, first of all, I had no idea your wife is Cuban, so I can only oh, yeah. imagine your holiday cuisine. <laughs> but <laughs> as far as my family, yeah, we definitely have our traditions. Uh, Coming from a Hispanic family, Mexican American, uh, the twenty fourth is is a very big deal. You know, mm -hmm. it's a very special day to spend with family and things like that. With Thanksgiving, I have my own tradition of spending the day watching football with my dad. You know, things like that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's what it's all about, and and it gets it gets fun uh, this time of the year too. The games start to mean more, and the Raiders mm -hmm. have had an opportunity to play on Thanksgiving, which is always a special one. Uh, but in some ways, I think it's better because then if your team loses on Thanksgiving, you're like, uh, you know, it's such a great day. And then you have to watch your team lose. But unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, uh, you don't have to do that this year. All right. Well, let's jump in. Plenty of news going on, Mario, this week. But I wanted to really start with um, the Raiders, where they're at. And specifically in this first segment, we're going to focus on what has been an amazing bright spot. We all had this assumption that it would be. When the trade went down for Devontae Adams, uh, the Raiders gave up a lot, draft capital, but he came over 26 in the last three games. Ready for this, Mario? 26 catches, 413 yards, five touchdowns. This guy is proving everything that you want to know that he's the best receiver in football to me. He has just been on a tear. He has taken that team uh, and given them the opportunity to score and, and just done an amazing job. Talk about, from your perspective, the kind of season that Devontae Adams had, despite some of the dysfunction we've seen with the Raiders. I think what everybody loves about Devontae is he knows he's the best. You know what I mean? But at the, at the same time, the way he carries himself. You know, yeah. I, I wrote a piece earlier this week about uh, reminiscing about his interview on The Pivot where he basically just broke down how he dissects everything at the line of scrimmage. And it really is just a thing of beauty. You know, this Sunday was just another example of what he did to Pat Sertain too, you know, who is <laughs> on his way to becoming one of the best, you know, cornerbacks in the league. Arguably he's already one of the best, but man, he just schooled him, you know, and it's just one of those things where he's just a whole nother level. You know, that's why I aptly 
named my article, you know, he's playing chess and cornerbacks are out there playing checkers, <laughs> you know, and, and even coach McDaniels alluded to that too recently, you know, it's just, it's the mental aspect, the psychological aspect that just makes him just a beast, you know, he's just on a whole nother level, you know, some people say, well, he's not the fastest, he's not the biggest, but what he does do is, like I said, he does his damage at the line of scrimmage, the mental aspect, you know, the way he just goes around these guys. It's it's something, it's a sight to behold. Um, I, I can't recall, it's been a long time since the Raiders had a wide receiver of this level. Yeah. You know, they've had some good ones the last over 20 years, of course, they've had some good ones, but Devontae's just on a whole nother level, you know? And I think what's actually scary too is that even Carr admitted right after the game their whole chemistry, you know, all that stuff, it's still a work in progress. You know, yeah. that's what's really scary. You know what I mean? So yeah. definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah. And I, I talked about it on yesterday's mailbag show, uh, Mario, which was the, the idea that I see. And I know, you know, I, it's been a really interesting week engaging with Raider nation on, on social media, because there's some people who are still really, really angry and they want this team to lose so they can get a top two draft pick, which I, I don't understand. But nonetheless, they, they don't want to find any good in anything. And I guess there's a certain percentage of society that does that that way about everything nowadays. I don't care if it's politics. I don't care if it's entertainment uh, or if it's football. That's how they end up doing it. Yeah. But but to me, you know, I look at that and I say I was talking about the trust issue. And that's why I said I think this team has turned a big corner. I'm not saying the team turned a big corner and now they're a championship team. That's not what I'm saying. Or even that they're going to make the playoffs this year because they're not, in my view. But what, I, what I'm talking about was is just what you referenced about Carr talking about Adams and their connection and that rhythm and that trust. I think it comes back to a trust. And it's not – trust can be misconstrued, but I think the trusting of not only the process of the system that they're playing in now, which is a big one, but number two is trusting one another that you know how things are going to go in the flow of a game. And to me, that's what we heard and saw, to your point – is that these guys are developing that trust, but fans have to understand, I don't care that they played in college together. It takes time at the pro level. Oh, exactly. And even Carr is pretty uh, cognizant of that because mm -hmm. in that same statement, he did say, hey, you know, people have to keep in mind, we haven't played in more than a decade together, you know, since yeah. their days at Fernando State. It's not this automatic, you know, but at the same time, you do see glimpses of that. There is that trust. Uh, clearly, there's a different trust that Carr has in Adams that he doesn't have in some of these other guys, which was to be expected. You know, I think we all talked about that prior to the season. You know, we didn't expect maybe some of the other guys falling off, you know, but <laughs> certainly we knew that we knew that he was going to get the bulk of the targets, you know, what's kind of crazy too is what he said right after the game. I'm not sure if you caught that where he said that he feels like Adams is pretty much open on every play. But yeah. because of the, the way the offense is dictated, he, he quote-unquote has to get it to other guys. I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, maybe yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal because we mm -hmm. know, you know, McDaniel's offense. We've seen the screen passes. We've seen the way he tries to get other guys. Like, like on Sunday, it was Q and Cole. I'm sure a lot of fans were frustrated by that, you know, but that yeah. is part of the offense. You know, he's not going to throw it to Devontae on every single play. You no, know, you that's can't. That's just one of those things. Yeah. You can't. And, 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 and the important thing, too, I, I, and, and you touched on it there as well, is that that trust, I, I saw a breakthrough, and I think you wrote about it or you, maybe you tweeted about it, or someone on your staff wrote about the fact that, you know, Josh McDaniels, I've been saying it, 
I have not been a fan. I've been very critical of how he's played called and, and how he's managed a game because I think that's been very poor at times, and that's why the Raiders are where they are partly. But the fourth quarter, I thought, was his best quarter of the season as a coach. If you look at the play calling, what they did, including the last play, which was a great play, uh, and I want to play Devontae Adams here. I have a clip. I played it a couple days ago, but I want to play it again because it gets to also two things here. One is play design, calling the right play at the right time, but also having a receiver like Devontae Adams, who's so good at the line of scrimmage, who can read the defense and understand what's happening. And so let's play that clip now from Devontae Adams. This was after the game, but relevant to the conversation. Here you go. Um, just, just selling. I mean, a lot of route running is really just about, um, you know, the sameness within each route. You know, if they see something that was very similar. Um, so I try to give a look that basically – um, you know, that's why he ended up diving over the top the way that he did. He thought he was on top of the, you know, he thought he had a, a jump on it, basically. And, uh, you know, based off of what I'd seen earlier, I mentioned to coach, I think we could be able to do this and, you know, um, you know, obviously not force anything, but if, if it presents itself, we, we'd have a home run. And sure enough, as soon as I go inside, he, he starts, you know, flying over the top. And um, as soon as I saw him go, I just said, please, God, give that man some time back there, a little, little bit of time. I don't need much right now, but a little bit of time. And so as I looked, I saw the ball go. So there you go, Devontae Adams. And I played that, Mario, because you talk about he tells the story there, right? You get insight into what's happening on the sideline. Devontae Adams went to his head coach and his play caller, uh, uh, Josh McDaniels, and said, hey, this is what I'm seeing. Josh McDaniels, I think for one of the first times all season consistently, obviously was listening to what his players and somebody like Devontae Adams, who's like you said, is amazing at reading the defense from the line of scrimmage told them, Hey, if you do this. And so they adjusted the play, they changed the play call and they ran it throughout the game to get the defense to bite. And then it worked in the end. So you have receiver and you have coach in tandem, trusting one another and going with what they see based on what happened in the game. Now, to me, that's a breakthrough. Now, it might have happened on other plays this year, and we just didn't notice or didn't see it. But to me, for them to verbalize it to Mario is a big deal. Well, I think there's two parts, too, like you said. The first part is the mental aspect, which we already touched on. You know, he was taking mental notes throughout the game, you know, and that's why he went to McDaniels. But I think it also, the second part, it shows maybe more trust on the part of McDaniels and willing mm -hmm. to adjust, willing to make uh, changes on the fly, you know, all last week prior to the game, I, the national media just harped on this whole thing that the players didn't trust him and nobody right. believes in him. Nobody's buying into him. Judging from what went down in the fourth quarter, especially there at the end, and then the reaction from the players too, you know, with the speech and like their reaction to everything, it it definitely just seems like I think it goes to your point that I think they have turned a corner. Um, it doesn't mean they're playoff contenders or anything like that, <laughs> but it still is very much uh, a positive trend. You know, it shows that maybe they have turned the corner. Maybe they do understand, hey, let's trust in each other. You know, McDaniels is willing to remove maybe the ego or maybe some sort of stubbornness or something to, you know, maybe he's, like you said, maybe just developing more trust, you know, and willing to make those adjustments. Uh, maybe earlier in the year, he wasn't, you know, maybe in earlier in the year, he had his game plan and he was sticking to it, you know, which yeah. he received a lot of criticism for because you saw sometimes his inability to make adjustments, especially in the second half. You know, oh, that yeah. was, that's pretty much what cost the Raiders so many games, you know, was the inability to make adjustments in the second half. So maybe this is him turning the corner, both, you know, on both ends, McDaniels and the team.
Yeah, no, great points. And, and, and that's what I, I was, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and, and talking about the Raiders and well, the offense, you know, they just shut down and the offense hasn't played well, but I do believe to the point you just made at the end of your statement there, which is a lot of that was because they didn't adjust on offense. I mean, you can have players on offense and who play well, but if you're executing plays and, and they're not working, but yet you still have to do them, eh, it doesn't help. So, so I think the blame and again, it was nice this week for the Raiders to win because the blame game and blaming everybody, you know, there's there's camps, as you know. People blame certain, yeah. whether it's the quarterback, it's the coach, it's the owner, the GM, whoever. And people just want to blame everything on anybody when in actuality, it was a multi-level failure. And so you see what happens when they get it together on one. But a couple other things on Devontae Adams before we head to our first break, Mario. Three career uh, overtime touchdowns now ties him with the Chargers, LaDainian Tomlinson, for the most by a player in overtime since they started doing that in 1974. That's pretty remarkable. Also, his 13th career game of 100 yards and two touchdown receptions. Also, just the sixth player in NFL history with six or more seasons with 10-plus touchdown. He joined some guys you may have heard of with the last names of Rice, uh, uh, Moss, Owens, and Chris Carter, uh, all those guys are in the Hall of Fame, right? If I believe so, yeah. um, you you look at what he's doing on this field, and I know I've been preaching Mario, and you've been seeing it. I think on social media, telling people you got to find something positive when you have a year like this. I'm not saying be happy with losing. I'm saying you got to find positives. And Devonte Adams, you have to be enjoying and relish the kind of season he's having, at least individually. And when he does help the team, clearly, uh, like he did on Sunday in Denver, it's a great thing to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that was my original point earlier, too, back to that, is that the Raiders have had some great, uh, some good receivers in the last 20 years. There's no doubt about that. You know, we can definitely name a bunch. But Devontae is just on a whole other level. You know, he's definitely one of the few bright spots i know at three and seven there's probably not that much you know <laughs> positive i know a lot of raider fans on social media are harping on that but when you look at Devonte and you look at josh uh josh jacobs i'm sorry and max crosby there's definitely and as much as some people would disagree even Derek carr you know to a, mm-hmm. to a certain point is having a great year too so it's just one of those things uh when it's three and seven you just said it the blame game just goes all around i think this win was just very important. I wrote in a couple of my pieces this week that I used the line, they stopped the bleeding, which is exactly what was happening. You know, I mean, it was getting ridiculous. It was getting to a point where people were saying, uh, owner Mark Davis couldn't afford to fire McCann's. I mean, it was getting all kinds of crazy, you know, and yes. And there's one thing that I've learned being either a, a writer or a fan for the last 20 years is that when the Raiders are down, they're a very easy team to kick when they're sure. down. I mean, everyone just piles on. And, you know, those last few years, for example, when Al Davis was alive, they were a doormat. You know, they were just easy pickings. And when the team starts at two and seven, they were easy pickings, you know. So right. sometimes you just have to sit back and enjoy some of the positives. And Devontae, by far, is, you know, one of the biggest positives this year. No question. And and you're right, 25 years. Um, and so it's easy for uh, the national media and for other fan bases and stuff to take to pick on the Raiders because it's been so easy to do that for so long our own their own fan base picks on them and their own fan base yes <laughs> yeah. and a lot of those yeah. fans and, and and Mario I know you're young too like so I, I was alive when they won a Super Bowl and I remember watching the game and all that kind of stuff but but a lot of fans aren't right so if you're in your 20s 
or early 30s even, you remember one or two really good seasons and that's about it. So so I think people, it, it's, it's a disguised desire for your team to win. You just want them to win. And when they don't, you get really emotional, upset that they don't. So I, I totally understand it. But to your point, I think Derek Carr was for the first time comfortable throughout the game. Even though the third quarter they didn't score points, uh, it certainly showed a different Derek Carr, one that reminded me more of last season. Uh, so that's that's good news for this team, despite the people who want Derek Carr to be gone, including me, who said I thought there was a good chance it could happen. I didn't. I'm not. I'm not a hater. I just look at things objectively. And Mo and I disagree on whether he'll be back next year. But uh, we'll, we'll, when he gets back and has a voice, I can yell at him for it. So anyway, but we're going to take our first break. And Mario brought up the subject of our next segment when we come back, which is Max Crosby. This guy is playing out of his head and carrying the Raiders' entire defense, whether you like the Raiders' defense uh, and all of their problems or not. The reality is Max Crosby, another positive uh, point that you should look at if you're Raider Nation in the midst of a season that has been disappointing. We come back, we will talk about that. You're with Mario and Scott here on Silver and Black today and Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. Silver and Black today rolls on here on this Thanksgiving. We hope you are having a wonderful holiday with your family, friends, or loved ones, wherever you may be, wherever you're listening to us. By the way, do us a favor. We would be thankful if you subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find us from an audio perspective. And then if you're on YouTube, please hit subscription and then hit the notifications bell so you know when we have a live video. Mario Tovar from RaiderRamble.com is sitting in for my good friend Mo Moten. I am Scott Colbranson. Mo will be back next week. Just had another hiccup with the health, but he will be okay, and he sends his best. I know he's active on social media, but he does really appreciate when I talked to him yesterday. Everybody asking about him is phenomenal, so thank you for that. All right, Mario, we talked about the offense. We talked about Devontae Adams, this individual performance, this amazing season that he is having. On the other side of the ball, as maligned as this Raiders defense has been, Max Crosby, who, by the way, yesterday was named uh, uh, a uh, representative for the annual Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award by the NFL uh, and, and is having just an amazing year uh, in, the, in the NFL and really just turning heads as he's done for the last couple seasons. But Max Crosby, I thought in the Denver game last week, um, 
not him, Denzel Perryman, they set the tone for that defense. That defense woke up, and that defense is incredibly deficient on talent. It just is, but they played well, they persevered, and to me, that's what Max Crosby did. He's not always a vocal leader. He he leads by example, but I think they follow that example, and Max Crosby is really putting in and turning out to be a special player for this Raiders team. No, you said it. Actually, you said it best. He does. Uh, he leads by example, you know. And what better example than what he does on the field? You know, yeah. it's just he's just ridiculous. Sort of, it's sort of the equivalent, I, I guess you could say, of Devonte, but on the defensive side. You know, it's just a one-man show out there. Now, obviously, I know you brought up Denzel Perryman. There has definitely been some bright spots, uh, especially for the future. You know, you guys got like Nate Hobbs. I, they're really missing him. They're really missing mm-hmm. what he can do you know, at the line of scrimmage, that physical press corner, uh, once they have him back, that's going to be special. I know he's got rumored scheduled, I guess you could say, to be back for those final stretch of games, which will be big, depending on where the team is at by then. But then you also have Rocky Sin too, who's flying under the radar. I and mean, he's arguably their best cornerback. And, you know, the question is now, will he be back? So they definitely have some bright spots. But this is definitely by far the Max Crosby show. You know, it's just, it's unfortunate that the Chandler Jones signing hasn't panned out. I know he's, he's doing good on run defense and he's doing what he can bring in the pressure, but it's, you know, fans like the sexy stats. They like the tackles for a loss. They like the sacks and Jones just isn't delivering, you know, and it's really unfortunate because fans really believe that this was going to be the special duo, that this was going to be, yeah you know, take him to the next level. Instead, now now you have people talk clamoring for a pass rusher in next year's draft, you know, which is a whole other subject, but <laughs> he clearly needs help, you know, but it just shows yeah. you just how dominant he's been. You know, he really is carrying the defense, you know. Yeah, he has been dominant. I mean, you look at the the what he does with the Raiders and reading off the stats here, he's leading the Raiders in five major defensive categories, sacks with nine, Solo tackles, 42 tackles for losses, 16 quarterback hits, 16 enforced fumbles, too. They don't put in there a blocked field goal, but he had a blocked field goal as well. So you look you look at what Max Crosby's done, and that's what blows me away about uh, this past weekend. I really thought, again, the defense did what it had to do. It's never going to be a top-flight defense the way it is right now this season. But Max Crosby... And a couple of those guys, and he led that. He that those two that two consecutive play series where he forced a fumble that kept them uh, out of uh, out of the red zone scoring range at least to to keep it to a field goal, which he then blocked. That was one of the most dominating performances I, I could see over the period of two downs in the last several <laughs> years for the Raiders. Oh, definitely. And you can make the argument the man kept the, the Raiders in the game all by himself with those two yeah. key plays. I mean, along with obviously the Devontae touchdown just to win the game, but those were probably two of the biggest plays of the entire game. And also, too, back to the point, too, I think the differential in that key stat of sacks, you know, when you have Crosby, but it just falls off right after him. I mean, you have yeah. Tyler Hall, who has one sack, Jones, <laughs> who has half a sack, and not to be the bearer of bad news, but Cleveland Farrell has just as many sacks as Chandler Jones. So that's, it just shows you just, he's just on another level right now, yeah. you know, and it's kind of, it's something special we're watching. I think this might be one of his best chances to win defensive player of the year. Yeah. He's definitely got to be in the running. I think if he keeps this up, he's definitely going to be in the conversation for the 
for the final three at least. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask you too, because I, I think Raider fans clearly uh, are on board with with rallying for him around Defensive Player of the Year, um, and he's making a case for it. Now, of course, we have some season left; it's not over yet, so you have to contain. And if you win Defensive Player of the Year, it's something you do all the way through. Uh, it doesn't help a little bit when you don't make the playoffs; that can hurt you, right? Especially if somebody you're competing with. When you look around the league, Mario, and you look at who else is as dominant right now, I mean, in years past, we've seen Aaron Donald do amazing things and all that stuff. But when you look at this season, is there any who's his competition this year? Who's playing at that level that you see with Max Crosby and 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 the fact not only just the play on the field, the leadership, the kind of whole package that you're seeing with him right there in Las Vegas this year? There's not too many, but there is. I mean, obviously, when he came into the year, T.J. Watt was seen as the yeah. favorite. Obviously, the the injury took him out of the running, and that's where people started saying, okay, well, maybe Crosby. I mean, it's not to wish an injury on Watt or anything like that, but him being out of the running kind of just leveled the playing field a little bit. You know, when you guys got, like, you know, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, even though the Rams are struggling, he is still one of the most dominant players. And then, obviously, that special kid that the Cowboys have in Micah Parsons. He's, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's up there too, man. There's there's a lot of stiff competition. You still have Nick Bosa with the 49ers. You know, there's it's not going to be easy. You know, like yeah. you said, there's still a lot of football left. Uh, yep. Unfortunately, injuries can happen. And the other downside too is we've seen votes get swayed by the playoffs. You know, when a yes. player doesn't make the – isn't part of a playoff team, it shouldn't. It shouldn't because – this is based on the regular season. It's based on the impact that you know, a player has had. And my God, Crosby's impact has just been phenomenal, you know? Yeah. So, but you, you, like you said, there's definitely some things working against him, but at the same time, there's still a lot of football left and he can still drive the point home with more sacks. Cause at the end of the day, let's keep it, you know, 100, the sexy stats have a lot to do with the voting as well. Right, right, and that's why you would just hope at some point Chandler Jones breaks out, and and because if he does, then that'll actually free up Max Crosby more. Because you've seen and you watch the film, you know you see the double teams and how they come down on him. Uh, also, in in your story, by the way, there's a story up on Max Crosby on RaiderRamble.com. You can check out there, and you mentioned in there uh, he's the only player Max Crosby is uh, with 15 tackles for a loss and 15 quarterback hits in the NFL. So he's on track. I mean, he's on track. Uh, but again, it's you're right. That that's what worries me most is even if he does play like this throughout the whole season. I mean, he's at nine sacks now. If he continues that pace and he finishes with almost twenty sacks, you'd think. And and all the other stats, of course, he's what top ten in like four other categories. I think in in mm-hmm. NFL defensive yes. statistics. Um, you look at that and you think, wow, how could you not give it to him? But you're right, playoffs just like manager of the year in baseball or coach of the year in the NFL. It tends to go to those people who have a lot of momentum going into the playoffs. So hopefully that doesn't happen for Max Crosby. But um, the the other thing too is that attitude of his. The, the, the go out and do your job thing, which we know is, is a big statement we've heard from all the players, like they're on script from Josh McDaniels. It's also a Patriot way as well. We know that from, from other players who've gone through New England. Um, how much of that impact are we starting to finally see a lot of the example that he's set start to permeate some of those other guys? Again, if you get beat because somebody's better than you, you just don't have the talent to keep up. I'm not going to hold that against the guy. That is what it is. But I'm starting to see some of these guys 
even like a Meek Robertson, who's just a good player. He's never going to be any kind of uh, a major star in the NFL. I've seen him get better, and it seems like that attitude throughout that whole defense is starting to sink in a little more. Yeah, it definitely took some time. I think that's one of the things, and it is rather unfortunate because I'm sure Raider fans wish it would have happened much earlier in the season. <laughs> but sometimes these these things do take time. You know, the the major story I'm sure you can recall, Scott, was earlier in the season, maybe two three weeks ago, was that uh, the notion that players, these current defensive players, weren't quote unquote smart enough, right, to right. pick up. Patrick Graham's defense and this and that people have to understand it's a completely different defense than Gus Bradley from last year you know and a lot of these guys were the same guys that were in those same defenses last season and it was going to be a transition you know it, it's it's very different but like you said I think a lot of that Patriot way you know the attitude the grit it is starting you can see it on the field you know they mm -hmm. hung in there by no stretch of the imagination was Sunday a beautiful game it was an ugly game it was an ugly <laughs> affair but they grinded it out they those are the games you have to win you know the the sky would be falling right now if the Bron if the Broncos would have pulled that off I mean let's just you know call it what it is you know but you saw the effort you saw it on it's you saw it in the game you see it on film it's definitely like I said in the beginning of the show they're definitely turning a corner you know unfortunately is it a little bit too late perhaps but that doesn't mean it doesn't bode well for the long-term health of the team it's a good point. And you talked about Nate Hobbs, who's eligible to come back, by the way, now, right? Uh, we'll see if he makes it to the game uh, coming up on Sunday. It's Thursday. You usually don't find that out until Friday. Uh, but even then, you don't know who's going to be active uh, up until game time a few hours before. So you look at this defense, Amari. We, we know what's wrong with it. Uh, but some of the young talent that will come back, like Nate Hobbs, when you look, though, at that Denver game and you look at the defense, what did you see that, that should be encouraging for Raider Nation? Because I, I've said all along that, look, there's going to be a lot of turnover. But if you look at the roster today, everyone there is playing for their job. If they want to stay in Las Vegas, they're playing for their job for next season. Not only that, but Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels need to evaluate the players they have on the roster now and decide who they're going to keep. When you look at that and you see who's kind of elevated their game, uh, at least for a role on this team. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll be the starter next year. But when you look at that, are there a couple names that pop out of pop out for you over the last couple weeks or even last week with the way this defense has performed? I think when you just look at the whole season, I think not just the last couple of weeks, but there's definitely a bunch of names that have stood out. I mean, if you look at it objectively like that, even clearing Ferrell's actually playing well, you know, in the last few weeks, and he's probably more than likely playing for his job too. He didn't have his option extended and a lot of a uh, spotlight was on him and people thought he was going to get traded, but you know, they stuck with him. Guys like Cleveland Ferrell, we already mentioned Crosby, you have Denzel Perriman. So there's definitely pieces for next season, you know, Rock Yassin, I know the contract situation is a bit uh, muddy as far as, you know, will he be around but it would make sense to pay the man because he has been their best cornerback you know quietly uh you you have made Hobbs even I know a lot of people have turned especially on social media on Trevin Merrick he's had a bit of a rough going yeah. but but it's only you know he's it's barely a sophomore year a sophomore slump learning a new defense I mean he should still vote well you know for the long-term plans at least for at least another year or two and see how he can mesh with Graham's uh, scheme. Obviously, Abram is gone, so more than likely safety is going to be at the top of the list as far as mm -hmm. draft and free agency. I mean, Jerron Harmon has been great. That's you know he's 
arguably been their best safety by far, mm-hmm. but he is no spring chicken. You know, he, they need to they need something for the long term too. The linebacker core again, other than Perryman, those guys are pretty much expendable. None of those guys are you know. And then same thing with the interior. The interior defensive line is still a huge question mark. Huge. They have yeah. Butler. They have Farrell. They have Butler, but have they impressed? Uh, the jury, you know, jury's out there for that. It's not exactly a sort of uh, foregone conclusion. Not when you have people clamoring for uh, Carter next year and Jalen Carter, you know, yeah. for the next draft. So clearly interior defensive line is still a huge, huge need, you know. So it's just a handful of names if you really think about it, you know, yeah. that are set in stone as far as like moving forward. Yeah, and I, th- I think there's going to be a lot of turnover on that defense, as there should be. Uh, and I think they will focus a lot on defense in the draft. Now, if they have a top five pick, then you have to think about an offensive player, even though, yes, you can get some game changers on the defense there, too. It all depends where this team goes and, and actually how it finishes. You know, I want to see... That's the thing with folks. They start talking about the draft already. It's like, look, you have to see how this team finishes. What if this team wins four or five games, five or six games, whatever? You just don't know what's going to happen. I know it seems improbable, but it could happen. And if that happens, then suddenly your focus on the draft and what you're seeing might change. It might have just been, to your point, the time. Fans don't want to be patient. I understand that. I'm a fan of other teams as well in other sports, and I get impatient. So I, I understand the emotion. But you also, I mean, the, the Morag thing is a great example because the kid was lights out last year, just impressive. Mo and I, during the preseason, were talking about he might be a Pro Bowl player this year, right? He might be that good. And he struggled, but he also had to take on his second offense in his second NFL season, right? And and people don't, I think, I don't, people want, don't want to give anybody any grace, period, when it comes to that stuff. And the reality is, uh, it does take time sometimes, and and so you have to be patient with it. So we'll see where all it all, uh, it all rolls out. Yep. But this defense, yeah, it's got to get younger and it's got to get more talented. And this Mario, I keep telling people. You know, because they want to blame how bad the Raiders have been on defense on Patrick Graham, and he deserves some of it, and Josh McDaniels, and even Dave Ziegler. But the reality is, this is what happens when you have four years of non-productive drafts. Exactly. No, that's. I think that's the point that everybody keeps harping on is that people need to understand that three, four years of just terrible drafts, especially those first-round picks, when you consider mm. the talent that was chosen over what was available. Uh, it's just a disaster. You know, it's finally caught up to them. And and look, I know a lot of fans are frustrated with Patrick Graham. That's understandable. But if you look at the film and you look at the games, you really pay attention. The man is calling everything he knows. He's calling yeah. Up, yeah. He's doing what he can. <laughs> but sometimes the, the team, the unit, the roster just isn't good enough. You know, yeah. and that is one of the things. Like we just said it right now, you know, off the top of our heads, there's only like four or five guys that should be considered for next year's defense you know that's how bad this unit is and you know understandable the coach will always get the 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 brunt the brunt of the the criticism and all the fallback and all that but there's a reason why he's not fired there's a reason why he didn't go anywhere they believe in him they believe in his scheme and they want to see more than likely obviously i'm not an insider but they're going to give him a year or two with a healthy roster and basically the players that they want you know because thankfully for the raiders next year there's going to be a lot of uh versatile players a lot of fast you know versatility speed Mm -hmm. you know high iq i think that's one of the things too is they're going to be looking at that versatility iq speed that's how you build your defense next year you know and it's 
it, there's still a lot of football to be played to call this a wash, you know, mm-hmm. but let's face it, McDaniels and Graham are not going anywhere. So in many ways it, it is a wash, you know, so yeah. <laughs> you call it what it is. No, you got, you got to get the talent. Uh, all right. We're going to step aside for our second break. We'll come back. Uh, and on the other side, we'll talk a little bit about the Raiders future, what you need to look for the rest of the season, but also this game coming up in a few days on Sunday in Seattle, can the Raiders string together two wins in a row and to me i'll tell you why i think it's such a big game for this team and a lot of you will say big game they're three and seven chill out i'm going to tell you why it's a big game when we come back here uh you're with mario and scott silver and black today happy thanksgiving raider nation don't go anywhere we will return in just a few another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, Raider Nation. We hope you're having fun and that you're spending some quality time with the ones you love. Wherever you may be, do us a favor. We will be thankful if you would subscribe to the podcast if you don't already do so. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find us. Also, check us out on YouTube. And just a reminder, last show of the week until Sunday, post-game, the post-game show after the Raiders and Seahawks game, we will be live again, myself, along with Murph from Raiders Fan Radio to give you the instant reaction from the voice of the fan. So make sure you do that, and then we'll be back with our regular slate of shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with Mo next week. So do that for us and check us out on YouTube where we have all our videos as well. The chat always, too, by the way, over here, the other way, I'm pointing, I'm looking at the screen the wrong way, um, is always great on YouTube as well. And I'm sure you have some uh, welcomes for Mario there, too. Uh, but we're, we're in there. We're having fun. Mario takes, Mario, you're in that chat sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I like to weigh in with my food takes, uh, distract yes. a little bit. <laughs> I love it. That, that's the only bummer about Mo not being on us uh, on the show with us here on Thanksgiving because we could we could delve into that. Uh, he's got some interesting family traditions, uh, which we'll talk about. Oh, but we have... me and Mo do not see we do not see eye to eye on food takes. <laughs> Let me just get that out of the way. I don't well, appreciate him constantly bashing pineapple pizza. You know, oh, come on, uh, oh, Hawaiian. Hawaiian pizza is a go-to. Come on now. Oh, oh, there you go. See, but see, but see, East Coast, I find having lived on the West Coast for so long, I find that on the West Coast, much more people eat that. East Coast, it's considered sacrilege. But on the West yes. Coast, things are just a bit different, right? But oh, it, oh, it go- for sure. And I think that goes for a lot of stuff too, though, because you oh, look yeah. at a lot of the way he feels about a lot of foods and the way <laughs> some others feel about theirs. Yeah. The coast thing definitely plays a big part. I mean, that's very true. It does. It does. The thing I miss most about being out West is 
Mexican food. So, I mean, with the influence, well, yeah. with the influence of Baja Mexican food, right? Which is because growing up in San Diego, that's what I, that's what I grew up on. Mm -hmm. And then being in the Midwest where it's a different regional cuisine from Mexico, whole different. Although I finally found a, a market, a little market that sells tacos with good carnitas. Oh, it was, I was like, really? Thank right. you, God. Well, you Thank know, you being God. on the West Coast, being in so more particularly uh, Southern California, I have the luxury of having great Mexican-American food, which is like yes. sort of the take here on a lot of stuff. You yeah. also have a lot of regional stuff, but like you said, I'm only two and a half hours away from Baja, Mexico, where I have family, and yeah. you have the real deal there. So oh. it's a win-win, really, you think about it. <laughs> when, when I was young, we used to go down, when I was in high school, we used to go down camping in Ensenada. And this is back, I mean, you know, with your family down there, like... Leg legendary a, seafood. <laughs> yes, it's a fishing village. And so we would go down there and stay on the beach as a campground. The Corona factory, yes, we were underage, but we could get beer. Uh, the Corona factory was up the road. You get a case of Corona, I think, at the time for like $8 or whatever it was. And then on the side of the road, there'd be these women with pits and big metal pans, and they were making fish tacos on the side of the road. This is before fish tacos became an American thing, right? Yeah. Oh my, I can still taste it. That's why I'm swallowing. I'm like, oh. So I got to get back out there soon just so I can do that because, oh man, it's so good. Uh, but here we are on Thanksgiving. We're talking about food, of course, because that's part of Thanksgiving. Um, but we're also here to talk about uh, the Raiders this weekend may be cooking some birds, right? Cooking the Seahawks, the sea chickens, as somebody called them. Um, but we're going to start first. We'll get to that towards the end of this segment as we get close to uh, wrapping up the show, Mario. But real realistic expectations for the rest of, and I have misspellings on my graphics. This, this, see, I, dude, that holiday brain, it's a very real thing. I, on this, on this slate, on this slate, I have your Twitter handle correct. For those of you watching, you know what I'm talking about. But on the other thing, I have REST instead of REST. Oh, boy. Anyway. But anyway, realistic expectations, Mario, for the rest of, of 2022. I talked about this game being really important. And, and what I want to see from the Raiders, I'll start, is I just want to see them put together wins. And when they don't win have it be not because of some of the errors we've seen in the past. If they lose because they have they lose to a team that's better, that has more talent, or outcoaches them, because that's not the player's fault on the field per se, um, I want to see even in losing that they play solid football. And I think some fans might think that's strange, but I think you have to look for that type of thing in a season like this. You have to look at real expectations. You have to say, okay, I want to see Derek Carr maintain what we saw against Denver and be his old self 100%. I want to see that offense do what it's supposed to do. I want to see Darren Waller come back, Hunter Renfro come back, and look like they used to. And then I want to see the team overall win games and when they lose games be close. Is that is that something, is that realistic the way I'm looking at it? Uh, it's definitely realistic. From I mean, if you're a fan, of course, that's all you can really ask for is, hey, if you lose to a better team, then you lost to a better team. You know, that it happens every Sunday, you know, with the entire league. But don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't lose because you're not willing to make adjustments. Or, you know, you don't lose because of a lack of effort. Or, you know, you see guys, you know, giving up on plays, whatever it may be. You know, lose because you lost to a better team. That in itself is acceptable, you know, because every team has to deal with that. But I think when you see this final stretch of games, before the season, I predicted, uh, I wrote a column for just Bog Baby, actually, that the Raiders were going to go 
nine and eight, I believe. Right now, that's not looking too good. You know, they already <laughs> equaled their loss record from last year. So that's why right now people are like, okay, well, unless they go on this uh, magical run and win out, because let's keep it, you know, 100. If for the Raiders to make the playoffs, they have to win out. They'd have to win every single game from here on out. You know, mm-hmm. and the argument can be made that some of these are more winnable. A uh, good colleague of me, uh, I'm sure you know him, uh, Phil Robinson, pointed mm-hmm. out that some of the games yeah. at the end are definitely winnable. The Chiefs uh, at the end might not even be playing their starters by then. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to win the division. So there's definitely some room there for, for uh, a run. I, I don't want to get people's hopes up, obviously. I don't think either <laughs> one of us <laughs> wants to do that. But they're definitely uh, there's definitely – a chance there to, to do something but I think it goes back to your point earlier in the show where I think the rest of the season is going to be more so for evaluation they mm-hmm. really need to see what is going to fit and what doesn't fit I think we can make the argument that on offense we see a lot of the core pieces uh, obviously the big question mark is going to be Josh Jacobs whether yeah. is he willing to take a team-friendly deal is he going to look to get paid elsewhere it's just you know that is the major question mark but we know Carr we know Devontae, um, I am definitely of the mind now watching the Raiders the last couple of weeks, sort of like Mo, I believe, where Carr is probably going to be back for year 10. It doesn't make any sense at this point to scrap the whole thing and start over with a rookie quarterback. That doesn't mean that you don't draft a rookie quarterback. I think Thank you. In Thank this, you. In this, in this particular class, more so than the last maybe two years, yeah, they really need to draft a quarterback. Uh, it's not. Will it start a, a quarterback controversy? Fine, whatever. You know, whatever. Fire under Derek Carr. Yeah, he's a professional. Uh, right. More than likely, he's not. I would be surprised if he takes the Brett Favre approach when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. When he pretty much told them, no, you know, I'm not yeah, responsible no. for it. No, no, I don't see that happening with Derek yeah, Carr. I, I don't either. I think he's the consummate teammate, and I think yes. he realizes too. The man is in his early 30s now. At some point. You know, he's not going to be playing football anymore. So right. there's definitely that too. So I think the far, as far as the rest of the year, it's definitely going to be a lot of just evaluation, just seeing what fits, you know, moving yeah. forward. Well, and, and, and you're right about Carr. I mean, if you're an NFL team and, and you have a nine or 10 year veteran quarterback and you're not already planning for who the next quarterback is, you're behind. So you, you need to do that. You need to think about it. Now, there's, there, there are rare cases. I get it. But even in New England with Tom Brady, they were trying to develop. They didn't succeed. I mean, Garoppolo's been, I guess, the only guy close to that, and we've seen what's happened there. But but you have to be able to do that. You it, The NFL is a quarterback-driven league, so you have to be thinking about the next one. And, and Derek Carr, uh, with the three years left on his contract, right, you, you have to think about the future. And so if you're in the top five draft picks this year and you have the opportunity to Bryce Young or a guy I like better, C.J. Stroud – then you have to give that consideration. Uh, it doesn't mean Derek Carr loses his job. It means you can go get that quarterback and not worry about it. Let them develop with a guy who would be a great mentor because Derek Carr as a human being is just not the same as, as we've learned from Brett Favre and all the other things that have happened to him post-career. Uh, not a Brett Favre, not that kind of guy. Uh, all right, Mar, we only have a couple minutes left uh, before we got to head out here as we head out on this Thanksgiving uh, and this Thanksgiving weekend. But um, the, the Seahawks, the Seahawks have surprised everybody. They get rid of Russell Wilson. Everybody thought, well, Seahawks are in rebuild mode. But Geno Smith finds the fountain of youth, and suddenly some of the talent a lot of people thought he had when he came into the league has really led that team and gelled nicely 
with uh, Pete Carroll in Seattle. Looking at this team and what the Raiders are facing on Sunday, uh, what do you like about the Raiders' chances? What don't you like about what you see with Seattle from a strength perspective? I think from a strength perspective, I think what has shocked a lot of people is that the Seahawks actually have a, a fairly balanced offense. You know, mm. they're seventh in, in passing touchdowns at the same time. They're just outside the top 10 as far as rushing touchdowns, you know. So the the offense is fairly balanced, you know. So that is going to be very much a challenge for the Raiders defense, you know, a balanced attack at the same time. The Seahawks defense is not what it used to be. I think everybody understands that. It's It's definitely – a defense that's being rebuilt. Um, you know, it's not the Legion of Boom anymore. Those days are long gone. They're particularly susceptible to the run. I think that's the one thing that, once again, this is where Jacobs comes into mind. You know, they're giving up almost five yards a carry. So this is going to be one of those game plans where I, I truly believe McDaniels is going to emphasize the run again, mm-hmm. get the ball to Jacobs early and often, punch it through. And at the same time, they're actually, their red zone defense isn't that particularly great either you know they have a 61 they're giving up 61.3 percent in scoring as far as red zone so there's definitely a lot of room there to get the ball to jacobs punch it in early at the same time though we this is not the same seahawks defense of old but they are still very much uh turnover hungry they cause a lot of turnovers you know they're number one and they're very yeah they're number one in fumble force fumbles and fumble recoveries uh, they don't like two behind actually interceptions too. So th- it's going to be a challenge. You know, ball security is going to be an issue once again. Like they got to make sure that Jacobs and guys like that, they have to, you know, we've seen Jacobs have fumble troubles. You know, he's not, he's not uh, immune to it. So you definitely have to keep an eye <laughs> on that. I think Jacobs is the guy that we're going to have to keep an eye on on Sunday for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, the Raiders, I think, again, very important game, just stringing together good things. You saw what happened and the reaction after the game last week. And that was because this team's worked hard. I mean, they do, these guys work hard and to see all of that work and all the frustrations finally net out positively. If the Raiders can string this together, go on the road to cold cities because Seattle will be cold on Sunday. If you could string those together, this would be so important for a lot of these young guys and for this team moving forward. So that's why I, I say it's an important game. Will they win? I can't say that they will uh, until they start to kind of put these these streaks together or at least look good for four quarters. Hard for me to do that, but it should be an exciting game. Mario Tovar, of course, you can catch him up on RaiderRamble.com. Let me also say, uh, just like my, he's got a very similar philosophy to what I had when I had SilverAndBlock.today.com. Uh, which is now part of Sports Knot, but um, and that is Mario is an amazing guy because he gives people opportunities. And in this business uh, where people get competitive and they try to snipe at each other uh, and there are sometimes grumpy old men yelling uh, from their Twitter perch, Mario gives people opportunities. And I want to just say that, Mario, and, and give you kudos on that because uh, I know a lot of those that have had had opportunities, who've gone on to other great things through you, I'm sure are thankful for those uh, as I am for you too because we have the same vision. And uh, so I understand it. And uh, thank you for that. And we appreciate you sitting in for Mo. Okay. Hopefully I did uh, well enough to keep a seat warm. I just told them on Twitter, you know, but yes. to your point, yes, it, it is. I do love giving people opportunities. A lot of people opened up the doors for me when I started, you know, some Absolutely. of those people are unfortunately not even in the business anymore. You know, that's yeah. the nature of all this, you know, but I do enjoy it. I enjoy the fact that the Raider Ramble is definitely one of the more, uh, it has a, it's definitely an independent site, obviously by nature, yeah. but I do enjoy the fact that like, it just gets a lot of, uh, 
we do what we want. We say what we want. You know, it's it's definitely the advantage. Yes. You know, we keep it 100 and we do our best to do so. We give both sides, even though we've been accused of everything from being <laughs> car stands to car haters to oh, yeah. Mark Davis apologists. You know, it, but you take it in stride. You know, it comes with the territory. I enjoy this work. You know, and it, I think it, most of my colleagues can say the same thing. It, it does come with a territory, and you never win uh, in today's in today's uh, social media culture and toxic culture. You don't win. Every Everybody's going to find, you could say something and, hey, the sky is blue. No, it's red. Well, okay, the sky is red. No, it's yellow. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, um, but you guys forge on. And you you give a voice to people, uh, as as we try to do on the show, too. You give a voice to people. Whether you agree with it or not doesn't matter. It's still relevant and it's still valid. It still has value. And so we certainly appreciate that. Mario, have a great rest of your Thanksgiving, man. We'll talk to you real soon. No, thank you for having me on. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, Mo and all your listeners and viewers as well. All right. Appreciate it. There you go. Mario Tovar. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Mario Tovar, T-O-V-A-R, and go up and check out and read RaiderRamble.com. We are going to wrap it up. I am out of here. I can smell the turkey upstairs along with some Ropo Vieja. If you know what that is, good for you. If you don't, you're missing out. You really should uh, check it out. So we will get up and have some fun with the family here on this Thanksgiving. All right, everybody. For Momotan, for Mario Tovar, I am Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. And a shout out to also our listeners on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas for tuning in today as well. We will talk to you next week on Sunday, actually. Sunday after the game, the Raiders Seahawks uh, at 1.05 p.m. or 1.25 p.m. East, uh, excuse me, Pacific time. And we will have our postgame show with Murph and I. So make sure you tune into that. Until then, have a great weekend, Raider Nation. Enjoy your holiday.